if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning at verse 7. This is prayerfully our final part of our message. I just see uh, my granddaughter Jasmine come in. She's uh, probably don't want, she's a senior. She just, uh, she'll be a senior next semester. Penn State. Amen. Amen. She, along with a few other members, uh, are continuing with their education. Uh, Sister Keisha Bethea, her daughter Lavinia, they're working on their doctorate degrees. And I think Sister Selena's daughter Natrona, she's in school. Sister Brittany, uh, Kiana, it's a lot of folk, and if I, didn't, if I didn't mention your name, I'm talking about you too, or your family member, all right? Amen. Amen. We, everybody's important. Amen. And it's such an achievement, and I want to encourage folk that are furthering their education. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 12, beginning at verse 7, again, I'll be reading from the New Living Translation, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning at verse 7. Let's have a word of prayer. Father God, we come before your presence once again in Jesus' name just to say thank you. Lord, we thank you for this another opportunity to gather in your name to worship you in spirit and in truth. Lord, in these trying times where every day, every few hours, every hour, it seems like we get reports of death, dying, shootings, fights, disruptions, lies, terror, grief. Lord, it seems to be so overwhelming with the bad news, but when we say you're still in charge, some people would think, why are you allowing it? God, you give people freedom to do what they choose to do. But then they might forget that all of us are accountable. accountable and there's consequences for disobedience. It's not that you uh, 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 permitted people do what they choose to do. They forget God that you're looking and booking, for lack of better words. But Lord, we thank you that we're here. We're able to see, we're able to function. Even now, Lord, we ask that you would bless the hearers, those that are in-house, those that are viewing from home. Bless us, God, and we shall indeed be blessed. We say yes to your will, your word, and your way. For it's in the name of Jesus, the mighty, majestic, awesome name of Jesus that we pray with thanksgiving always. And all of God's people said amen, amen, and amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, beginning at verse 7 says, Even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, 
a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Paul says three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. I begged him. And each time he said, my grace is all you need. Think of it. I'm begging, Lord, take this problem away. And he says, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power, since the power is through my weaknesses, I boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. Verse 10, that's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, the hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, y'all don't want to miss that. For when we are weak, then I am, we are strong. I'm talking about it's okay not to be okay sometimes. This is part three. Prayerfully, we'll finish this particular message. Remember, we said that there are times for everyone when it's okay not to feel okay. Amen, somebody? Amen. Uh, let's see if this illustration will help this morning. A man got up early one morning for work. And on his way out of the shower, he slipped and bruised his knee and he shook it off. And on his way to the bedroom, he stumped his toe. You know that hurt. And he shook that off. And after he got dressed, he went to the kitchen to grab his lunch out of the crowded refrigerator. And when he opened the refrigerator door, a carton of eggs fell out on the floor, making a mess. And he had to clean it up. Wow, he thought, what a start for his day. And then when he got into his car, he wouldn't, it wouldn't start right up. After a few tries, it finally cranked over. The man knew he was running late for work and he had been warned about consequences about his frequent lateness by his supervisor. But he had to take a different route to work this particular morning, why? Because a disabled vehicle backed up all the traffic. Man, I'm late. So in order to make up time, he took the expressway, which had a speed limit of 55 miles per hour, but he speeded up and ran about 90 miles an hour. And you know what happened. He got pulled over. Another 15 minutes late, lost. And the top that, he was given a speeding ticket. When he got to his job, all the parking spots in the lot were taken. So he had to find a parking spot in the street. Let me have that mic drum just in case. And when he finally got to his desk to prepare for, uh, to prepare for his work, you know it, his supervisor was waiting on him. 
Because he was late again. To, one hour late to be sure. Supervisor told him, go back home. Told you there going to be consequences. And as he headed back to his car, he ran into a co-worker who was a close friend who was bringing in free coffees and donuts for everybody in the office. And as he headed back out to the door to his car trying to hide his anger and disappointment and frustration, his friend asked him, are you okay? You know what he responded, no, I'm not okay. I'm talking about sometimes it's all right to let somebody know that you're not okay. Can I get a witness? Notice verse 7 of 2 Corinthians chapter 12 says, Even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God, listen, don't miss this, so to keep me from becoming puffed up or proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan, the devil, to keep me from getting proud. I was given a messenger from the demon, the devil, to torment me, to keep me from becoming proud. Wow. We found out last week in part two of this message, it's okay not to be okay. Remember we said the thorn in the flesh matters. And the thorn was expressed and is expressed in four different ways. Y'all remember, did y'all take any notes? Anybody out there, did you remember? Remember the Greek word for the word thorn refers to a splinter or a needle, something pricking you. Understand that a thorn in the flesh is a phrase of the New Testament which originated, originally used, was originally used to describe, turn this thing on here, let me use this. Was used to describe an arrogance or, or, or an annoyance, I'm sorry, or trouble in a person's life. And maybe this morning, I don't know who God is talking to, you're living with a thorn in your flesh. Something's pricking you. Something's bothering you. Something's nagging at you. It could be a person, a place, or a thing that's creating problems in your life. It's an irritating situation. Anybody ever experienced irritants in your life? Y'all don't want to raise your hand, you hide. God can see a black ant on a black rock at midnight. Anybody ever had some trouble you didn't want to deal with? It's driving you crazy. People can drive you crazy if you let them. Y'all looking at me funny. You don't get out of my face. Maybe it's an emotional thing driving you nuts. Maybe it's a financial debt. Every time I look, I need money for this, money for that, money for the other. Then when I think I got enough money for now, something else comes up. A fawn in the flesh. Maybe there's somebody on your job 
You know, you can have problems on the job, y'all. Somebody on your job who just won't go away, who's driving you crazy. And what I mean won't go away, they need to step back before you have to step up. That's right. That's right. Amen, somebody. Yeah. That's a thorn. Yeah. I said it matters from at least four different perspectives. A personal matter. A significant matter. A stressful matter. And a spiritual matter. Y'all give me about 20, 25 minutes. We'd be done. I said the thorn, first of all, is a personal matter. Kind of touched on that last week. The personal matter, it's a matter, it's something, it's a situation that you got to deal with. Sometimes we try to, we don't want to deal with stuff. And I understand we don't want to deal with a whole lot of problems and people and all, but sometimes God will allow stuff in your life and mine that you got to deal with. Paul had to deal with some major issues. That's who we're talking about in this text. Sometimes you can't ignore issues because they require not somebody else's attention, your attention. You can't push it to the side. Not only is a personal matter sometimes, but the thorn in the flesh can be a significant matter. Understand, y'all need to hear this good. There is significance in insignificance. Y'all looking at me funny like I bumped my head. I said there's significance in insignificance. James chapter 4 verse 10 says, the Amplified Translation, humble yourselves while feeling very insignificant. That's the, I'm reading the Bible, y'all. Humble yourselves, James 4.10 Amplified Translation says, humble yourself while feeling very insignificant in the sight of the Lord and he will exalt you. When you act insignificant in the sight of the Lord, he'll exalt you. He'll lift you up and make your lives significant. You've got to be insignificant. You can't think you all of that. <sighs> Did you know that greatness or importance or success comes as a result of humility? Yeah. 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 If you were able to give a scale of one to ten a rate, and they said ten being the highest as far as humility, where would you place yourself as far as being humble? One is the lowest, you're not humble. Ten is you're very humble. Where would you fit? I'm talking to you. God is talking to you right now. You out there. Don't have to tell me. Where would you place yourself as far as humility? Would you consider yourself a man or woman? A humble or humble man or woman? Or would you be number one, one of those arrogant, think you all of that kind of people? Oh man, y'all got quiet. I didn't say it was you. I just put it out there. Man, do you know anyway? When I know this, y'all, y'all got that. Do you know anybody that you would rate that's not humble? Do you, anybody in here know anybody that's not humble? I ain't say you. Y'all don't even know nobody. Oh wow, y'all live in another universe. Nobody on your job that you notice arrogant and cocky. 
Let me see your hand. Some of y'all going to find out that. Some of y'all going to raise your hand. You don't want to participate. God, that's between you and them. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27 and 29. I'm reading the contemporary English version, CEV. It says, but God, verse 27, chose the foolish things of this world. Listen, to put the wise, people who think they know it all, God chose the foolish things of this world to put the wise to shame. God, he chose the weak things of this world to put those who think they all that, the powerful, to shame. Verse 28 of 1 Corinthians chapter 1 says, What the world thinks is worthless and useless, otherwise insignificant and nothing at all, is what God has used to destroy what the world considers important. Verse 29, God did all this, listen, to keep anyone from bragging to him or herself. Otherwise, God says, I'm trying to keep you from seeking self-glory. Right. I wish somebody would hear God. Y'all just want me to holler, scream, jump down off the pulpit and run. No, this is a teaching moment. Amen, somebody. Did you know that thinking more of yourself than you should or ought to will lead to seeking self-glory? When you think you're all of that from the pulpit to the door, ceiling to the floor, you can sing and you think you, you the top angel. You can deek a little bit. And you think, oh, wait a minute, let me get to the pool. You can preach a little bit. And you think you all of that. Everybody's included. You, you think you all of that. You're creative in your thinking. You've got memoirs. You've got books that you read or going to write. You, you think, no, there's nothing wrong with thinking and being uh, 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 having ambition, but don't think on your own and of yourself that you're all of that. Self-glory will cause a man or woman to listen. Y'all want to get this. Y'all want to get these things. You don't want to leave out of here today and say, what did the pastor talk about? You, you need a pencil and pen. You need to open up your phone and say, let me type in some stuff. Because later on when stuff hit the fan, you're going to say, God, where was you? And God said, I told you ahead of time on Sunday morning when the preacher gave you what you needed to get so that you can avoid some stuff. I'm talking about it's okay not to always be okay. I said self-glory will cause a man, a woman, first of all, listen, when you think y'all, guess what it'll do? It'll have you parading in public what should be kept in private. Where do you get that at, Pastor? Well, remember the Pharisees. They're a good example, a primary example of somebody seeking self-glory. They saw their lives as praiseworthy. They were quick to parade their glory before anybody and everybody who would watch them. And the more you think you've arrived, the less you see yourself as needing to be rescued with daily grace from God. Did you hear me say daily grace? Every day we get a new set of mercies. Y'all read the Bible? Every day God dishes out to you and me a new set of mercies. 
Anybody could. I used all mine up yesterday. Matter of fact, I was wondering would he give me a new set at 12 a.m. today? Anybody glad that you get a new set? You drove here today and made it without trouble because of mercy. You're going to have to get home. And guess what you're going to need? Some maize mercy. Uh, when you show off in public, self-congratulating. I shudder to think there's anybody would say, on I, I all that? You come and tell me that, I'm scared of you. I'm scared of you. You walk up to me, say, Pastor, aren't I the greatest? Man, I'll tell you, I'm going to keep you in prayer. That's what I'm going to say to you. I'm going to keep you in prayer because I know you didn't bump your head. I'm going to keep you in prayer. you like the man that got up to dress. You fell in, it was, it was bump your head in the shower. I didn't mention that. That's what you did. You tend to tell personal stories that make you a hero. If it had not been for you, but we already know it had not been for the Lord, we wouldn't have got here this morning. How many of us know that? If it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, we wouldn't make it. Guess how you're going to get home? Because the Lord allows it. Uh, it's not only a personal matter, not only a significant matter, but thirdly, suffering from a thorn in the flesh is a stressful. Am I right about it? Let me park here for just a minute. See, stress is a mess. Can I get a witness? Stress is a mess. Somebody in here is stressing out right now. Y'all ain't got to tell me you're stressed. You, you, you got up this morning and you rushed and this, that, and the other. You get yourself in trouble. See, Concerning stress, there's not a lot of focus on any specific particular type of hardship in this text. And Paul doesn't go into a lot of detail to describe them. But instead, Paul tells us how they affected him and his companions. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, y'all need to get this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, Paul says... We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. Paul says we were crushed. We were overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. Paul says, and we thought we would never live through it. I told you it's all right not to be okay all the time. Paul says in verse 9 of 2 Corinthians chapter 1, in fact, we expected to die. I was going through so much hell, I didn't even think I was going to live through it. But as a result, this is what Paul said. We stopped relying on ourselves. Don't miss that. Because of the hell in your life, because of the trouble in your life that God allowed the messenger of Satan to buffet you with, we stopped. Does that suggest that maybe you were kind of, sort of, relying on you? Before the trouble came? Before the trouble hit you? Before the wind hit the fan? The weight of stress was too much for them. Guess what Paul displayed? A mental health problem. 
Amen, somebody. Y'all, if y'all was on Bible study, you know we talked about a whole lot of Bible characters had mental health issues. Amen. That's not a 20, just a 21st century deal. Whole lot of folk in it. I, I got to deal with mental health situations, and if I don't deal with them, it'll lead to mental illness. It's like leaving a, a wound untended to. It gets infected. If you don't do something with it, it gets infected and it starts to uh, affect your whole body. Paul revealed the symptoms of depression. Yeah, he did. I found out, Reverend Pointer, guess what? The classic definition of depression is malignant sadness. Malignant sadness. Otherwise, Depression is uh, the inability to feel pleasure or sustain peace or joy. One biologist said that depression is to sadness what cancer is to normal cell division. In other words, listen, malignant sadness or depression is sadness going out of control. Everybody can be sad for a little while. But when all you say it all the time, something wrong. When you serve a God that gives you joy. When you say it all the time, what does that speak about? Either God is not doing what he said or you're not doing what you need to experience. Joy, joy, joy. Uh our 21st century culture does not permit us to grieve and allow sadness to take its normal course. Culture we live in, people want you to fake it. And I didn't tell you go around telling everybody you're not doing all right, but sometimes you need to let somebody know so they can pray for you. Amen, somebody. It's so like I told you, and I'm going to say it over and over again. My sister came to me a few weeks ago and said, Brother, Pastor, are you okay? And I got ready to tell that lie, and I said, no, no, no. Matter of fact, she was waiting for me to look like to say, yeah, I'm okay. She looked and smiled. I said, no, no, sis. Huh? No, your brother's not okay. Not today. Not right now. I didn't say I wasn't going to be okay later. But right now, I'm not okay. Uh, I said when we allow culture to tell us we can't admit that sometimes we're not doing well or feeling okay, it gets people to try to look for quick fixes. You know how they say, get over it. You know, I got some folk that, well, they don't do it around me no more because I, I know they perpetrating a fraud. Every time you look at them, they say, I'm blessed, and they are blessed, but right now you're catching hell. You just got put out on the street. I know you're blessed. Will you tell me you're blessed to get put out? I'm blessed and highly favored, but right now I'm going through. Hello, somebody. For some people, other people who are deeply distressed, there's temptation to self-medicate yourself. You know self-medicate, you seek means on your own for your emotional, physical, or psychological pain. You need relief. 
You look for relief in drugs and alcohol or other men or women. I heard uh, the preacher say this morning, when you seek that kind of relief, self-medicating, that's a band-aid approach. It only satisfies temporarily the flesh. You think you need a man because you're lonely or a woman because you're lonely, but you need Jesus who can keep you whether or not the man or woman is in your life at all. Y'all missed it. Wouldn't it be better if I didn't have her or him that if I felt lonely that I got a God that comes and walks alongside me and will never leave nor forsake me. He doesn't put me to test all the time. I can be bad and he still loves me. I can make a mistake and he still loves me. I can cuss him out and he still loves me. Paul was distressed. He didn't have access to psychotropic medications. No. Paul was going through. Even Jesus experienced despair in the Garden of Gethsemane. Y'all looking at me funny. Remember Matthew 26, verse 37 to 38? New King James says, He began Jesus to be sorrowful and troubled. He said to them, Jesus did. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Jesus was going through. He suffered for you and I so that we wouldn't have to suffer like he did. Paul dealt with his depression. You know how he did it? By telling the truth. I'm, I'm hastening on here. When Paul's pain and suffering became so overwhelming, Paul didn't say he was okay. Paul told the truth. Hello, somebody. When you know somebody is genuinely asking you whether or not you're okay because they care, you know that they're going to pray for you. You know they've been praying for you. They're always asking how you are doing just like you asked them. That's somebody that you perhaps can trust and say, no, I'm not doing okay. Will you pray for me? Am I right about Why would God allow Paul to become so depressed? I hear somebody. We already looked at it earlier to keep him from becoming prideful. Perhaps Paul was relying too much on himself. Maybe Paul was relying too much on his gifts, his contacts, his family lineage. You know, my family is big name. You know, we got it like that. Maybe he was relying, Paul, I said maybe, on his physical strength, his, his, his knowledge, his successes. Maybe Paul was relying on his reputation, his track record. There's some lessons to be learned from Paul's situation. Y'all need to get this when you hear a teacher, if you're in class in school and you hear the professor saying, y'all need to get this, he's telling or she's telling there's going to be a test coming up and you need to get this so you'll be ready with the test. They tell you 
subtly sometimes. I was in seminary. I had to teach the, the teacher, the professor with the PhD would say, listen. And some people would say, she's giving you the answer for the test that's coming up. And she's hoping you smart enough to take the notes. So when you study for the question, you'll say, Miss so-and-so or Mr. So-and-so already talked about that two months ago. Y'all missing it. Paul's situation, his suffering was a teachable moment for him and for you and I. What does the Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 say? Trust in the Lord with some of your heart, all of your heart, and lean not, don't try to understand and keep trying to figure out stuff on your own. That's self-reliance. God says, come to me, all ye that are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me uh, in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. As I hasten on, not only personal, significant, and stressful matter, but the thorn is a spiritual matter. I'm almost done. I said the thorn meant spiritual warfare for Paul. All of us that are believers know that we're in a spiritual warfare. Ah, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to pulling down a stronghold. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I believe that's there. This thorn is not because of sinful habits in Paul's life because there's some people that think that every time you're going through is because you did something wrong. Not every time. No, no, no. Yeah, a lot of the times, um, some of the times I'm going through because it's what I did, you reap what you sow, but uh, not every time. Uh, this thorn is not because of sinful habits in Paul's life. It's not, it's not talking about a sin in your life that you can't get rid of. It's talking about an affliction in your life. Listen, caused by a messenger of Satan. You don't have no real control over this. And the thorn in Paul's life, again, was not for a sinful matter. But guess what it was for? A strengthening matter. Y'all missed it. Not because of sin, but to strengthen Paul. Who is God talking to? I'm allowing this trouble in your life today. Not to hurt you. But to strengthen you, to prepare you for what I got in store for you, for something that you can't handle right now. Oh, mm. uh, I said it's okay not to be okay. Y'all gonna help me to go take my seat. You better. You don't say amen every now and then. I'm gonna think you don't understand. That's gonna cause another five or ten minutes of somebody ought to say amen. Oh, I heard more just now than I heard all evening, all morning. Let me give you three benefits that Paul experienced as a result of his suffering. Y'all want to get this? 
You want to get this. You do know you can go back and replay this too. I shouldn't even tell you that. You'll say you do it, then you won't get it. The devil will take it away. You need to get it now. Three benefits that Paul experienced as a result of his suffering. Can I give you the first one? Paul found out that suffering prevents conceit. Yeah. Paul, God gave the apostle Paul his affliction in order to cultivate, to develop, to increase, and to mature him with a spirit of humility. Paul, I don't want you to, I didn't, I didn't reveal some stuff to you. I don't want you to get big-headed. I don't want you to think because I reveal it just to you that you're going to think you're special and better than everybody else. So to keep you from thinking you're better than everybody else, I'm going to give you a thorn. I'm going to prick you. Remember the text said it. To keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations Paul said, a thorn was given to me. Paul admitted it. I know why God taking me through this. Because some of us, we talk, and God is blessing people and has blessed. And then after the blessing comes a testing. Anybody ever heard that? God don't want the blessing to go to your head. Amen. Sometimes I do say, Lord, uh, it ain't got time to go to my head. I'm going through something else. Uh, that's just me and the Lord. That, that, forgive me, Lord. I'm sorry. Therefore, the need of the thorn in the flesh. James 4 and 6 says, God, listen, opposes the proud, but gives, here we go, grace to the humble. God is against big-headed men and women. God is against folk that think they know it all. Anybody here in God? God is against it when you think you better than the man or woman sitting next to you or across the aisle from you. God is against that. First Peter 5 and 5 says, God takes, I'm reading the Bible, y'all. First Peter 5, 5, God takes no pleasure in opposing his servants, but he will do it if it's necessary. I'm reading the Bible. God said, I don't want to do this. I don't want to really allow the thorn, but I'm doing what's best for you. Pastor Porter, I got great things yet planned for you, and I got to do this or allow that other just because when the great things come, you won't get big-headed. You'll be more grateful. Not only suffering prevents conceit, but secondly, suffering reveals to you and I, listen, the sufficiency of God's empowering grace. Not just grace, but empowering grace. God gives you grace enough to do some things that you don't have to sit down on your laurels and wait for him to do it. God says, I'm giving you what you can do by me empowering you. You can do some things. My grace is sufficient for you. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. Contemporary English version says, But God treated me with undeserved grace. He made me what I am. And his grace wasn't wasted. I worked, here we go, much harder 
than any of the other apostles, although it was really God's grace at work and not me. God wants somebody to do something in the church. You know he needs you to do. Not he needs you, but he wants you to do because other people can't do it by themselves. And God has empowered you. He's made a way for you to get away from some stuff so you can do some other things. Uh, in other words, Paul understood that God's grace empowered him for the Christian life and ministry. Not only suffering prevents conceit, it reveals his empowering grace. But suffering perfects, listen, suffering perfects the power of Christ. Oh man, this is shout news. I'm getting ready to close. But physical suffering is a platform for greater grace. From God's perspective, the only limitations that exist are the ones you and I create. Yeah, yeah. You heard, I can do all things through Christ, yeah, yeah. which strengthens me. Yeah. I can do it through, y'all missing it, Christ. Yeah. God works best in the realm of impossibility. I didn't think I was going to be able to graduate and get my doctor's degree. Because, guess what? One of the classes I had to take was Greek. I can't even talk English all that well. Say they stop laughing at me. I'm still trying to master English and grammatical structure. I told y'all, some of y'all forgot. I said, listen, I didn't hit a wall. And I started thinking about that song. I'm climbing up. God said, it sounds good, but you ain't got to climb nothing. Speak. To the wall. In my name. And the wall. Jericho. Speak. Shout out. Seven times. And the wall. It gonna come down. I can do. I can get this prayer. I can deal with this son. I can deal with that man. I can deal with that woman. I can deal with that financial. I can deal with my health. I can do. And he can do through Christ up in here. Uh, not only personal, significant, stressful, but the thorn was a spiritual matter. I said, I'm closing. The thorn, the suffering teaches us to be thankful. Any thankful for folk in here? Anybody thankful? If, you, if you're thankful, say, yeah, raise your hand. I'm thankful. Second Corinthians 12 and 9, I'm hastening to my seat. God uses suffering to display his grace. We know that. But secondly, 
God uses our suffering to display his power. Uh, God is saying, Paul, in your weakness, you're going to glorify my name. For when you are weak, then you'll be strong. Uh, that's his grace, but here's his power. God uses suffering in your life and mine to display his power working in you and in me. I was tired this morning. Anybody woke up tired? Still had to get up and make your way down to this whole church. I said his power is working in your life and mine. It's okay to not be okay because God has purpose for everything that you and I go through. Good God mighty. I just thought about some stuff I'm going through. God has purpose. Remember, the psalmist says, y'all remember Psalms 23? Uh, verse 4 of Psalms 23 says, Yea, 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 though I walk through let me say it again. Yay. Who's God talking to? Though I walk through the valley. Did you know everybody has a valley assigned to them this morning? Everybody from the pulpit to the door has a valley assigned with your name on it. Not my name. You can't go through my valley. I can't go through your, but you got a valley. Yay. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil for you are with me your rod and your staff they comfort me understand that the man or woman of God who's suffering in here this morning who's in a valley this morning God says listen y'all don't want to miss this he says, walk through. Not run through. Walk through. Y'all missing it. Not run through. In other words, if you run, you might miss some stuff. Some important lessons. If you run, you might trip up and fall down and hurt yourself. If you run, you might become fatigued and not be able to make it through. If you run, you might miss out on seeing some stuff. But, 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 if you walk, oh, you're walking with me? If you walk, you'll learn some stuff along the way. If you walk, you'll be able to pace yourself right. If you walk, you'll be able to see a lot more along the way. If you walk, you'll find 
that the Lord is your shepherd. In verse 1, according to the text, if you walk, you know that according to verse 2, the Lord is the one who's leading you. If you walk and not run, if you walk, you know you don't have to run because the Bible says you don't have to fear. Why? Because surely, 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 verse 6 says, goodness, goodness, and mercy follow you, follow me all the days of my life. Say yeah, say yeah, say yeah. Oh. It's okay not to be okay. God guarantees it. Give God some praise.